0: Hello welcome to our online service here with Westlake Church. My name's is Reece and today we're going to be opening up the book of James so if you've got your Bible with you please do turn to chapter 1 we'll be looking at verses 1 to 18. We finished the series on 1 Corinthians and before Martin starts us in the Ecclesiastes next week I'm going to give you an overview of the book of James. It's written by James the half-brother of Jesus. And James is the leader of the church in Jerusalem. He's lived through famine, poverty and persecution. And it tells us in verse 1 that he's writing to the 12 tribes in a dispersion. He's writing to the Messianic Jews, Jews who've become Christians and have had to leave Jerusalem because of the persecution they're facing. And they've been scattered throughout the nations. And that's like our church today, isn't it? God's people are scattered around the world throughout world. The nations. Unlike 1 Corinthians that we've been looking at it's not just written to one particular church about particular problems but James is instead writing to the whole church about how to live and follow Jesus. So it's a book of wisdom which is so relevant and helpful for us today and this week will be about faith and trials. Point one, joy despite trials. Imagine for a moment, and this will be easier for some of you than others, that you have your phone in your hand and you're going to post a photo on social media with hashtag happy place. What would be in your photo? If you look up the hashtag on Instagram, you'll find stunning landscapes, delicious food, loved ones, gyms, beauty parlours and more. People want to be happy. They want life to be happy, especially after the year. That 2020 was. But circumstances change quickly don't they? Happiness doesn't often last for long. Things don't always work out the way that we hope they will. Life is hard and painful. Listen to what James says. Remember he's talking to the tribes who've had to leave their homes in Jerusalem. Verse 2, can it all joy my brothers when you meet trials of various kinds? I don't know about you, but for me, it can be hard to consider joy when faced with trials because the culture that we grow up in, that we live in, has reprogrammed us to expect heaven on earth, to expect everything to be comfortable, controllable and convenient. Every advert that you see tells you how to have an easier life, buy this, do this, you should have this and things will be easier. So when things aren't easy, we often complain and end up miserable. Who of you's ever spoken to somebody who's had an awful day and been joyful about it? Who says, my boiler broke down so I had a cold shower this morning and my toaster blew up and my car broke down and I've had a joyful day. If you did run into someone like this, you'd think there was something wrong with them. And yet we're to be joyful when we meet any trials. But why are we to do this? Well listen to the next verse, verse 3. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Have you ever run a marathon? No, me neither. But I've been told that you don't train by having a quick run round the block. You have to put in painful hours, building up your strength and stamina. What's the saying? No pain, no gain. You have to keep on going through the challenges. And as you do, you learn to persevere, to be steadfast in reaching your goal, even when it's painful. And it's the same for writing a thesis or creating an artwork or a presentation. Every situation that we go through in life, we learn something from. When something hard happens, it can break us or it can make us stronger than before. When it comes to faith and trials, when you go through a test, you either get further away from God or you get closer to God. When trials come, we're given opportunities to grow, to serve, to depend on God, to give God control of the situation and to acknowledge that. And as we do that, James teaches us that it produces steadfastness, that it helps us to persevere. Without perseverance, how do we finish the race? How do we carry on? When we think things are so tough that we say we can't go on. Well, there are some great quotes on perseverance. I love this quote by Charles Spurgeon. By perseverance, the snail reached the ark. It's not how quickly we do things, it's that we carry on. As we grow in perseverance, in steadfastness, see where it leads us. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God's heart's desire, God's plan for our lives is for us to be perfect, for us to be complete. It's for us to be lacking in nothing. It's for us to be like Jesus. And it's not the trial itself that's joyful or the steadfastness, but the joy is from the work that God does through it to make us more like Jesus. God, who is sovereign over the trials that we face, uses them to make our faith genuine, to bring us to spiritual maturity through the ups and downs of life. And that's why trials should be counted as joy not a fleeting feel-good happiness, but a true deep joy in the Lord. And one thing that we need to ask is, are we seeking happiness or holiness? One is temporary, but the other lasts forever. Pastor and evangelist Rico Tice often says, if it's not for your happiness, then it's for your holiness. Everything that happens in your life has been across God's desk first whatever trials that you're facing today or that you face in the future we can know that God is using it for our good we may not see why or how but verse 17 reminds us that trials are part of God's good gifts to us and that doesn't mean that we make light of the pain that we're feeling or the others around us feeling or struggling with, one helpful thing to remember is that ultimately trials won't last but we will. Just before our second son Micah was born when Keturah was 36 weeks pregnant we found out that he had three heart problems and it was unlikely that he would live after birth and actually if nothing was done then he would die and he spent over 400 days in hospital and that first year was the hardest year that we faced together as a family. We had to be dependent on God in a way that we would never had to do before to deal with thoughts of life and death almost daily trusting in God that his plan was best and that he was bringing about all things for good. God helped us to do it through talking to others, praying with others, asking God the hard questions and going to his word. God used that situation and is continuing to use it to bring glory to his name and how he's at work in our and the other lives around us. I'm sure that there's many other testimonies like that in in your lives as well as you listen because God promises to change us for the better through life's trials. But it can be really hard sometimes and seem impossible to face trials with joy. And for that, we need help. Point number two, wisdom from the source. When your throat's dry and your tongue's parched, there's nothing better than a nice cold glass or bottle of water, is there? Water tastes better when it comes from the source, doesn't it? There was an incident in South Africa a few years ago when people were buying bottled water that was labelled as being bottled at a source from a spring in the valley. But actually, this water had come from a completely different source. It had been bottled from a fire hydrant in the corner of a factory. Would you be able to tell the difference? going to the source is important so that you know what you're really getting verse 5 if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask god who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him just like getting water from the source it's important that we get wisdom from the right source the author of wisdom and not the fire hydrants of the world James teaches that if we lack wisdom in knowing how to face a trial, we can ask God in faith and he promises to give wisdom generously. Wisdom is something that God loves to give because wisdom leads to us knowing God better and loving him more. But then comes a warning in verse 6 and 7 about letting the world's wisdom distract you from God's promises and God's words. If we lack faith, then we become like a wave of the sea. We become uncertain, going backwards and forwards between the wisdom of God and the wisdom of the world, depending on which way the wind blows. That person won't receive anything because they're doubting God's goodness and his will to do good, and therefore they are dishonouring God. When we start to listen to the world instead of God, We're getting our wisdom from the wrong source and it makes us unstable. It can make us like a modern politician, shifting our position depending on what people around us are thinking, or compromising to get ahead, to do well in their eyes. It's pressures like that that can leave us compromising our integrity at work or in research. It can leave us willing to make investment decisions with our time or money. That in light of eternity we might have a hard time defending it might make us change the way we parent our kids because we don't want to stand out or look weird the point is we don't change our mind when the world is telling us something different to God's Word James gives us an example of worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom in the next verses verses 9 to 11 the fact that the world has a financial impact on us as believers means that these verses on wisdom and finance can be really helpful. For those who don't have as much, we're not to cover after-riches and short-term benefits that they bring. James tells us in verse nine that, though the poor have little, that's not where they find their worth. And though others may look down on them, that's not where they find their identity. They find their identity, not in what they do, don't have but in Christ who lifts them up verse 9 let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and as for the rich James's words take a sterner tone in verse 10 they're not to allow their wealth to go to their head James tells them that it can't add a day to their lives they can look beautiful like a flower in the field but their lives are ultimately short and their wealth is temporary. They're to be humble because their wealth does them no favours before God. The wisdom of God helps us to see life differently from the way the world does. To live lives with undivided hearts. And that leads us on to this. Point three, called to something higher. Last year when the Youth Olympics were in Lausanne, I went with my family to the Olympic Museum And one of the parts that I enjoyed the most was seeing all the medals from the different Olympic Games, the different designs, seeing all the achievements lined up over the years was quite spectacular. And as you look back over your life, can you see all the achievements that God has helped you achieve, all the trials that he's faithfully brought you through? Verse 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. It can be hard in the moment of a trial to see how God is working in you but hopefully over time you can start to see the changes that God is doing in you as he refines you. But what James is saying here is much more than that even. He says blessed is the one who remains steadfast. If you stand firm to the end then you'll receive something much better than a medal or a collection of medals. Verse 12, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. You will receive a crown of life, eternal life. Standing firm through the situations and trials you face, maybe for hours, days, months or even years, is honing you making you and shaping you for eternity to receive this crown of everlasting life who is it that gets this crown let's take a look at the end of verse 12. blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which god has promised to those who love him to those who love god love perseveres doesn't it If we really love God, we remain steadfast. That's also down to the relationship that we have with God. We know that he's always there and he doesn't let us down. James warns us in the next verse that we need to love God and not the world. You may think, I love God, but why does he put me through these difficult trials? Why does he make me deal with temptations? And James says, whoa, be careful verse 13 let no one say when he's tempted I'm being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one it's not possible for God to tempt anyone God is pure he's holy he doesn't want any of his children to sin trials that you go through are to refine you to make you more like Christ but we see here in verse 14 where temptation does come from but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire if we give into temptation we let sin in and it grows there's a warning here that james gives us that we don't give in to sin because it grows and gives birth to death verse 15 The world brings death. God brings life. Loving the world leads to death, but loving God with all our hearts leads to the crown of eternal life. Then there's a warning. Don't be deceived in verse 16. There's lots of things that might look good. There are many things that can lead us away. So many distractions, so many lies and different opinions. But don't lose sight of where the world leads to, James is saying. Remember to check the source. James says in verse 17 that everything good and perfect comes from God our Father. Everything truly good that happens in your life, every blessing, every tasty meal, every beautiful sunrise, is from the Maker of all things, who, unlike the shadows, is unchanging in his character or his gift giving. As we've seen, even trials God uses to bless us and to use for our good. Romans 8, verse 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And what is God's purpose? Verse 18. That through new life in Jesus, the living word, we would be the first fruits, the pioneers of redemption in the world. So that we can point others with the help of the Holy Spirit to this new life. If you're not a Christian and you're wondering, what is this talk of first fruits? What is this new life that Jesus is offering you? Why not talk to one of the elders or a Christian friend or myself or Martin and explore it more? It's really worth looking into. In conclusion, then, despite what the Instagram pictures may say, everyone's life is tough. Your life's tough, my life's tough, but how much tougher would it be without a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to be with Him for eternity, who looks out for you and cares for you? I think what God gave up for us so that one day, We could be like him. Everything of this world fades in comparison to what God wants to give to us so that we can live lives devoted to Jesus and look forward to the day when we reach perfection and see him face to face.